Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of That's Marketing, Baby. You have Susan here solo this week while Jess has been on the road, and I am also recording from the road, so I apologize if my audio is not as good as it normally is when I'm at home, but I am really excited for today's topic. And this topic was actually suggested by a very good friend of mine in the marketing world, Andrew Miller. Um, his comment was, marketing is never quote unquote done. How do you prioritize what to focus on next, document what's been done already so you don't duplicate efforts and know when to step away from the keyboard? All such good questions in our never off world, especially with more pressure on marketing as you know budgets contract and the economy kind of swirls around a bit. So I'm going to tackle all three of these as separate pieces, but I think that you'll find that there is some consistency within them. So the first question is, how do you prioritize what to focus on next? So this gets answered right now, and then there's a piece of it that's actually tied to the final question. So first, I should mention that I work from the top down. I am a 30,000-foot marketing type person. Um, my secret superpower, I think, has always been that I can sort of look at like a big marketing machine and pretty quickly identify where things are not working. And so what I'll usually look for first is what are the biggest shifts that can be made quickly that will have an impact? One of the things that I notice is a lot of marketers are the opposite of the way I work, where they focus very hyper-specifically on the areas that they manage, which is good. They should. But what can happen is there'll be a lot of changes and micro changes that happen in those little places and within those silos. And those are important changes. They can add up to positive momentum, but it still means that you're doing a lot of little things to get there instead of looking to see if there's just one or two big things that could create some momentum faster and then you can focus on the smaller stuff. So an example of this is a lot of clients that I work with initially hire me to help figure out their media strategy or figure out why it's not working. But most times what I find is the media isn't actually their problem. A lot of times, especially in B2B, most of their issues originate at the demand generation level. So struggling paid media is just a symptom of that. Um, things like you know an incomplete handoff from marketing to sales or not properly qualifying leads before they get to sales or not creating enough content to create trust and brand awareness and word of mouth. So usually it's those type of things that are a little harder to measure. It's just easy to point to paid media because there's so many numbers involved. So I tend to notice a lot of those things first, and I encourage uh, clients and companies to focus shifts to the bigger root issues that would have a bigger immediate impact instead of fussing with things like targeting and keywords, because you can do that all day long and perhaps get some small incremental gains. But if those foundational elements are not working correctly, it's really not going to matter what you spend your money on or what you do externally, because that piece of the foundation laying of the, um, you know, the pass off or the sales process or the, the qualification or just how you're building your brand in general, um, you know, if that's broken, paid media is there to amplify those efforts. So if those efforts aren't going well, all you're doing is amplifying stuff that's just not working. So prioritization on what to focus on next for me typically is something of an audit process to see what's going on and then creating a roadmap that is going to 
prioritize those biggest things with the biggest impact first, regardless of what they are. So even if someone says, hey, I need you to look at our demand generator media, I'm going to be always honest and just say, look, these are probably the problems, even if they're not exactly the thing that I was asked to take a look at. Um, there's no sense in, in paying me or having me spend time doing things on the stuff that you hired me for if there's other broken pieces that will affect it. Second part of the question is documenting what's been done already so you don't duplicate efforts. And I love this question because this is such a problem and it's so varied depending on where you work. So typically I find that documentation tends to be more consistent at an agency. Um, and I think part of that is because, you know, you're working with multiple clients. You have to keep track of that stuff. You have people that move around from accounts. Um, so that type of consistency and communication is sort of the lifeblood of making all of that work. Usually the challenge that I've run into is the adoption and willingness of clients to utilize that system. So sometimes what you may have is an agency that you know uses a system that works for them, whether it's Notion or Basecamp or whatever it is, they'll usually have something internally that they're pretty dedicated to being you know, committed to, but the participation of clients within that can vary. So that can you know, create an issue if, if clients don't document it and the agency does, but the client ever looks at what's being documented. There's a lot of reminding that has to happen. Um, I do find that brand side and in-house can sometimes be more consistent, but very frequently each person may still have their own way of cataloging or they just keep in their head what was done. Obviously this is an ideal. Um, if and when they leave, it then becomes this rush to document everything in their head in their final week or two or sometimes it doesn't happen at all. Um, I've worked with a, a very large brand where um, the person that oversaw their paid media was leaving and did a good job of trying to chronicle everything for everybody. But even six to eight months later, we're still finding things that we're not really sure why it was done that way. Um, and again, that's kind of indicative of the, I start <laughs> high up and then go down into detail. As we're getting down to those little details, we're finding question marks. And so we're having to kind of take some leaps of faith and just change some things um, and sort of rewrite the way that it's done. So the biggest factor in both of those is really, when you pull back from it, buy-in on a process. Um, a capable operations person um, or a great project manager can be a lifesaver for that if it's not something that comes naturally to a team. Especially at startups, things move fast and are forgotten quickly in a few months' time. And with things like B2B, the sales cycle is so much longer that that documentation becomes really important because you might start something and three months later, you start to see the fruits of that effort. But if you aren't keeping an eye on it and remembering what it is you've done along the way, it's going to be hard to recreate that. The third is when to step away. And I feel like this is a problem for many industries and really just the work culture, especially here in the U.S. in general. But the when to step away question, I think probably impacts marketers most that are in performance-driven environments. Um, if you're running paid media 24-7, stepping away from the keyboard doesn't tend to come naturally because that media runs all evening and all night and leads and sales come in all night. It certainly didn't come naturally to me when I was younger. So I had to develop criteria to basically give myself permission on when it was time to step away. So the main question that I started asking myself was, especially when it would be later in the day, is does it matter if I do this today or tomorrow? Will something crucial not happen or change if I don't work late to do this? And surprisingly, I found the answer was almost always, nope, I can do it first thing in the morning and nothing changes. Obviously, if there's a you know commitment to a deadline, that's a different thing. But this, we're just talking about things that I felt like I had to keep going, that I couldn't step away. 
The other piece of this, and this is the part that ties back to the prioritization of what to focus on next. So these two things are actually very closely related to me in my marketing practice. But um, having a system for yourself can really help you know when and feel like it's okay to step away easier. So on a personal note, I am a hard worker and I get a lot of stuff done in a day, but my short-term memory is horrible. Um, I'm pretty certain I've lived with ADHD for probably most of my adult life. Um, So my short-term memory tends to not be great. So I can get a lot of things done, but if I fail to document them, I will forget what some of those things are. So I wanted to figure out a way to tackle this because I tried, you know, project management tools and a lot of those were just too complex for what I needed. I'm like, I just need something that will help me plug in a task when it pops up and just have it tell me when to do it. Um, And so that was when I decided to uh, subscribe to Motion. So I had been getting ads for Motion forever and finally did the free trial and it has been a game changer for me. Um, I started to realize as I passed over some of that control to it, um, how much of my not stepping away was partially rooted in my fear that I was going to forget to do something that was on my mind that moment, because I am very self-aware about having a terrible short-term memory. So a lot of times I was not stepping away from the keyboard because I'm like, I'll just do this one thing. Otherwise I'm afraid I'll forget it. So if you're not familiar with motion, um, it's an AI generated um, task management system, essentially. And so you can plug in when your meetings are, you can plug in tasks, you can put in deadlines, and it will schedule your time for you. So this helped keep me from overcommitting to things. I always have a pretty clear idea of how much time I have in a week. And I don't have that nagging subconscious fear anymore that there's going to be things that I completely forget about and that sneak up on me and then I'm up late doing them. I just keep motion open all day in a tab. Um, when a task comes up, I pop it in as soon as it comes in or if it you know, just pops in my mind, it goes in there. I just submit it. It schedules all of it for me. And so every day I wake up and I have a very clear visual of what's on my plate. Now, obviously, the world is an imperfect place and things come up during the day. But the other thing that I have found that having a system like this does for me is I was always sort of at the end of the day going, okay, what did I not get done? This helps me make decisions much earlier in the day. So if something urgent comes up, I already see what I was supposed to do that day. And it's very easy for me to be able to click on a task and say, you know, change this deadline to Friday instead. And it will process it and it'll move it to a different time. It's off my mind. I don't have to think about it. I can focus on the urgent thing that came up. So for me personally, um, having, you know, that has helped me know when to step away from the keyboard. Um, It's not necessarily a solution for everybody, don't get me wrong. Um, But I think having something that gives that sort of reassurance in whatever way your team or your people need that it's okay to step away. Um, I, I feel like there's, you know, this push for leadership to say, we don't want you working 24 seven. And, and I don't know that people always do it because they think that that's the expectation I think sometimes people do it because that's how they're wired or they're overcompensating for shortcomings they might have, like I do with my terrible short-term memory. So I think if you can figure out a process that helps mitigate that so people have that comfort that they know that what's handled and what needs to be handled is done or they know when it's supposed to happen and that's all pretty clearly communicated, I think this also helps with that documentation piece of what's being done, when was it done, what's currently being worked on. It can help with that as well because there's a visibility portion to it. 
that people can use. So I think from a, how do you know when it's done, when it never stops, if you accept that it never stops, that's sort of the first step. Because if you just realize that is the state of being in marketing and really just in being in the business world in general, it becomes that just, it's the environment that you're in. So if you accept that it never stops, then you know that it's up to you to figure out how to take control of that. And if you are not able to take control of that on your own, like I mentioned, I, I struggled with that. There's a plethora of tools out there. If you're at a company, there's certainly roles that can help with that. So I think, you know, when it comes to this pretty complex question <laughs> that Andrew asked about, um, you know, prioritization all the way down to even prioritizing your own time, those are the things I would say. I would say, look for the big swings first. Um, work from the top down. It, when you come into a marketing situation, even if it's, you know, you work in a particular niche of it, try your best to look outside of it, not to find fault or figure out if something, someone is doing something wrong, but more so to figure out, am I doing things that are not going to go further because of this external factor that really needs to be looked at? Um, you'll save yourself a lot of time and frustration. You'll save yourself a lot of finger pointing down the line when things don't work. And at the very least, you can flag it to begin with to manage expectations. And then secondly, documenting what's been done. Obviously, this can be a challenge just because people have different work styles, but it's really crucial that you get buy-in somehow. Even if it's just a weekly check-in with your superior and the notes are in a Google sheet, <laughs> it doesn't have to be anything fancy. I think there's this perception because there are so many platforms out there, it has to be something really complex. It doesn't. It just needs to be written somewhere where everybody knows where it exists. And then again, finally, when to step away, give yourself permission to do it. And how you do that may vary. So that is my answer to Andrew's amazing question for the week. Um, I hope you enjoyed the solo episode. And Jess and I have an awesome podcast all cooked up for next week that we will be sharing. And we will talk to you then. Until then, that's marketing, baby. <laughs>